umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and today we're going to take a look at michigan penn state well clint big game on the schedule as uh, Coach Harbaugh talked about prior to the Indiana game, everything is ahead of this team if they can win out. This is definitely a big challenge heading into Happy Valley. Well, how do you see this one? Well, it's, uh, it's a ranked team on the road, right? And that's uh, that's been a major talking point for a lot of, of people in the national media and, and local detractors, both in the media and in the fan base. So you need need to see Michigan go out and, and execute well on both sides of the ball, really. I mean, Michigan played well enough to win uh, in most of the game in East Lansing, but, uh, but didn't make the plays when they counted the most. And, and I think this is their chance to answer that. And, uh, you know, in this time, you know, if they play well the whole game and make the big plays in the big moments, then then they'll win going away. But I think this is going to be kind of nip and tuck back and forth with uh, Penn State's got some explosive ability on on their offensive unit. So I think there's going to be some some adversity and some big moments to bounce back, and uh, we're going to need Michigan's big players to uh, to be able to throw the haymakers back and and, and answer the bell and. Uh, step up and make those plays on the road. It's going to be a hostile environment, but uh, I, I like Michigan's chances uh, with what I see. I, I just don't think that Penn State can consistently find success on offense, and they're missing really a key stalwart in the middle of their defense in P.J. Mustafer uh, on their interior defensive line. And since he's been out, Penn State is not the same defense. They, they really struggled against the run. Uh, in two of their last three games, with the one the one game being Maryland, who doesn't want to run the ball at all. They want to throw the ball 55 times. So I like Michigan's chances. They have to play well, and they've got to be ready to uh, to punch back when, when the haymakers start flying. So looking at this one, in some ways this is an ideal matchup for the Wolverines. Again, they like to run the ball. Penn State has shown a weakness to the running attack. And this is, again, this is not a vintage Penn State football team. They're 6-3, and 3-3 three, three and three in the conference. And when you look back at, you know, definitely they came in with this season with high expectations. And, you know, they lost three in a row before, before snapping that streak last week against Maryland. So, again, you look at this and, but then there's the intangibles, right? There's... Michigan has struggled in Happy Valley, um, you know, over the last over the last stretch. And uh, now the good news is it's not a whiteout, right? The game's going to be played at noon. You know, toe meets leather the way God intended it. So I like that this is a day game. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, we saw how Michigan reacted um, on the road against Michigan State. Again, the crowd got into it. So I think this is an opportunity to come out, get ahead early, and you, know, you, you always want that. But like you said, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be unexpected things. And, you know, in a certain sense, 
Penn State is a desperate team right now, right? Again, they broke that three-game losing streak. I was doing research for the game, and, you know, there, there are folks down there who are who still believe, and, you know, the, the team has to believe this, that, you know, they can win out, win their bowl game, and have a have a 10-win season. And, you know, that's that's not bad, right? Now, looking at their at, at what we, what would be required to do that, I mean, they got to beat Michigan, Rutgers, Michigan State, and in the bowl game. So it, it's interesting because while you can look at Michigan's record and, and it's a little bit easier to see that everything is in front of them, you know, Penn State still has a lot of fight, a lot to fight for. You know, they don't. They've had good seasons, and um, you know they they don't want to lose two out of the next three games. And the way they they start out is beating Michigan. And again, um, you know I think what's going to happen on the Michigan side is this is a chance to prove that that stumble in the second half against Michigan State was a fluke, and they're going to have to come out and do that. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. The the strategy's got to be the same as it has been earlier in the season on the road, right? They they're going to want to get off to a good start, try to take the crowd out of it early, and then kind of uh, you know commandeer the the momentum or the energy that the the fans bring, uh, you know, in, in a road environment. And they can do that. They've gotten off to good starts uh, in all three of their major road games uh, to this point. Um, I I do think that. It was kind of an anomaly, letting a lead slip away against Michigan State. And the, the main reason I say that is because Michigan got away from running the ball, right? They, they got away from their offensive identity had been um, when they were up 16 in the second half, right? They they went, they basically went 2-1 to one in pass plays versus run plays from that point forward. So I don't expect... Uh, Josh Gaddis and Jim Harbaugh to make that mistake again if they do get off to a good start in Happy Valley uh, and they've got a lead in the second half. I would imagine that there's a pretty large dose of Hassan Haskins coming at Penn State because their their run defense, like I said, had uh, has had major problems um, since PJ Mustafer's been out. Uh, Illinois. Ran for over 300 yards, like 5.6 yards per carry against them. Ohio State, 5.1 yards per carry the week after that. And then they played Maryland, who didn't try to run the ball. So I I just I think that, that if they can follow that same formula, then they, uh, they should be fine. If this game starts to look like 2019, where Penn State gets out to a lead and, and gets off to a good start and you can try to fight back, then I think you've got got some more problems there. But um, it, if we stay kind of to the script, to the way that Michigan has wanted to play, um, this is not a very good offensive line for, for Penn State, and they've got a quarterback in Sean Clifford who's uh, banged up uh, ever since the Iowa game at, at a minimum. And there, I don't see anybody over there from Penn State that's going to be able to block Aiden Hutchinson or David Ajabo one-on-one. So Clifford's going to be scrambling around. Um, it's going to be a little bit of backyard football at times, and I would expect Jahan Dotson, who, who might be the best receiver in the Big Ten, and that's saying something because there's some really great receivers in the conference. But uh, Jahan Dotson's going to make a couple big plays, and that's why I, I think 
you have to be ready and brace for impact. That that guy's going to make some plays. The the offense has to be able to answer, and and I I'm, I would like to see it boil down to the defense making more big plays, more havoc plays, sack strips or interceptions, um, and, and big returns uh, to answer every time you know Jahan Dotson springs loose and and Sean Clifford's able to find him. Well, Penn State is missing some key players. And the status of some of the injured Wolverines who missed the last game is, is kind of up in the air. It seems like reading the tea leaves and reading uh, what Coach Harbaugh didn't say and what Coach Hart said did say, we can expect Blake Corum back. Um, again, he was seen in a, in a walking boot on the sidelines after he left the Indiana game. And then you also have the questions on whether – um, Donovan Edwards will be back, right? So the question is, you know, whereas Michigan was loaded at running back, you know, two games ago, right? Um, you're now down to, well, we hope those two guys get in, and we also hope that Hassan Haskins stays stays good. So it's weird. On one hand, you know, it's good that, you know, we were saying, oh, Michigan has so many running backs, but this is why it's a good thing. Because injuries happen, we're getting to this point in the season where um, things are down. You're also wondering, you know, what's the status of Andrew Anthony? So, again, lots of questions on the Michigan side. I think that um, I expect all the way up until, you know, the first series on each side of the ball, we're going to be wondering who's going to be who's going to be coming out and who's going to be getting the, the bulk of, of the carries and who's going to be out at wide receiver. Yeah, and one other guy whose status will have an impact on both the passing game and the run game uh, for Michigan's offense is, is Eric All. You know, he has been really kind of an unsung hero as a blocker. Um, I think the last game against Indiana, Luke Schoonmaker did did a, a very admirable job filling in. Had two touchdown receptions, which is huge, and it's, that was good to see also because you know Michigan has struggled down there in the red zone, as we all know. But as a blocker, I would say Schoonmaker is is solid. But Eric All, I think, is is really, really uh, an asset as an extra blocker and acting um, like a fullback as a lead blocker in a lot of plays. So if he is able to contribute, then that's a really great sign on, on offense. And he's been a really key target on third downs for Cade McNamara, you know, the old uh, adage or cliche is kind of a tight end is the, uh, the quarterback security blanket, especially on third downs. And Michigan has shown that they'll run that little tight end delay uh, in big moments where, where the tight end stays in to block for, for an extra second or two and then releases over the middle. And, and I would expect that um, if Eric all is healthy, that will be another key weapon in, uh, in Cade McNamara's arsenal that, that we'd want to see. So, um, like I said, I think that the, all of the matchups that I see are, are, are net benefits outside of perhaps Michigan's receivers against Penn State's defensive backs. And that's why I think Eric All is really important because I'm not sure as good as Cornelius Johnson and uh, Andrew Anthony have been uh, recently uh, running routes and, and getting open deep. I think Penn State's talent uh, – in the defensive backfield um, 
is is a little bit different than what Michigan has played to this point. So it's it's going to be back onto the ground, really pounding the ball at Penn State, making them commit extra guys to try to stop the run, and then and then finding ways to attack through the air and and, and answer those big plays. So, also swirling around this game is. The updated college football playoff rankings came out, and there is a tempest in the teacup here in the state of Michigan because Michigan has moved ahead of Michigan State after Michigan's convincing win over Indiana, 29-7, and Michigan State's shocking loss to Purdue. So, Clint, how do you feel about um, the college football rankings that just came out? Well... I, I personally think I, I'm glad that the playoff system went to four and away from two in the old BCS system, right? And I was glad that there was a BCS system and not just a poll system because I, I personally am an advocate for late in the season to f- decide these things on the field. So I am, am personally an advocate of playoff expansion, right? So let's start there like none of this matters really until we're talking about the final rankings you know most of the stuff that has people hot under the collar is gonna it's gonna be sorted out over the next three weeks on the field where it belongs and then and then you know somebody's going to be in the big 10 championship game and, and then we'll then we'll start talking about what the committee thinks so that's my main point you know but to to respond to some of the stuff that we've seen and heard I think it's ridiculous that the committee would would be inconsistent, right, with the the head-to-head matchups. So if Oregon is still in front of Ohio State, with Oregon having a really terrible loss to Stanford, then I, I mean Oregon's loss to Stanford is worse than Michigan State's loss to Purdue, in my mind, and, and I think by most of the, the the analytics and metric systems that that you would look up. Stanford is a worse loss than Purdue. So head-to-head, if it matters to the committee, then it should matter down at 6 and 7 the same way that it mattered at 3 and 4. So it's 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 stupid to me to be inconsistent that close with those two pairings, right? Um, that That being said, the whole thing is to generate conflict and conversation, right? I mean, Herb Street's sitting in the middle of a basketball broadcast talking about football rankings. It's, it, it's, it's marketing, right? And, and it's all stretched out and drawn out to generate as much buzz and as much conversation. There's a lot of research that uh, people that are angry are going to engage with content more so than people that are happy. So you, you got to ruffle some feathers to, to get people to engage at this point in the season, at this point in the season from ESPN's perspective. And, and that's, that's the part of it where I would I would go down the rabbit hole and start to get start to get fired up and 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 upset about the whole thing. But in the grand scheme, in the twenty one season, this set of rankings means nothing, right? I mean, there's some positioning and jockeying going on, but most of it is going to be sorted out on the field over the course of the next three or four weeks, and, and then we'll see where where the chips fall, and and. You know, then maybe we've got some some debates that at least have some substance behind them. Well, I agree, Clint. I think we're we're really talking a lot about nothing, right? It's going to get resolved the next couple games. 
we're going to see these things get cleared out and you know Michigan State has to look ahead to playing Ohio State Michigan State has to play Penn State Michigan's here playing Penn State this week and they also have to look ahead to Ohio State but like you said it's about controversy right and I think one of the things that I struggle with as a fan when you look at the sports media landscape you have to keep in mind you know I always say it's like you know, they talk about in the Matrix, you have to see the code behind what you're seeing, right? And the code is, it's about entertainment. It's not really about honest journalism. It's about, hey, we're entertaining people. We're going to stir the pot here. And, you know, specifically here in Michigan, you have, um, again, you kind of have a, a, a split landscape. You kind of have the, the Michigan-leaning media. You have the Michigan State-leaning media. And the thing that I, I think is really hilarious is that much of the buzz is about, you know, M- Michigan State has this narrative, they're not respected, okay? And it's it's a consistent thing that, that just comes up and and they they wear this chip on their shoulder, right? So what's interesting is very few people in the media are talking about the egg that Michigan State laid against Purdue, right? They're talking about, oh my gosh, look at this. Michigan has moved ahead of Michigan State. And and, and I'm like, well, well, wait a minute, okay? Like you said, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be decided on the field over the next couple of weeks. But it's amazing to me how rather than looking at the team and what they could have done and what they need to fix against Purdue, the narrative is, oh, once again, Michigan State's not respected. And that's playing to that anger that you talked about, right? It's and and you know, you don't have to go any further than what happened during the Monday press conferences, right? So Michigan has their press conference before Michigan State's, right? So this week, um, the press conference goes, and there was a question about how, you know, in the, towards, the, towards the end of the Michigan press conference, um, Jim, Har- was, Jim Harbaugh was asked a question about how he thought the atmosphere would impact the game. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's uh, it's a great venue. Why? Um, you know, that's uh, they got a they got a they got a great fan base. That's that's uh, really into it, and um, yeah, it's a like a lot of like a lot of uh, football environments across the country. Um, it's it's really good. You know, I mean, I'd say we don't fight against it. I mean. You go with it, you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy that, uh, enjoy that stage. Enjoy that, uh, that opportunity. And you know, personally, and I try to pretend like they're cheering for me, you know, or when I was a player, you know. Anyway, uh, and and you know, I think I 
see our players uh, you know, taking that taking that same same mindset and you know, their music is our music and you know, that people love football. I mean, can't fault them for that, you know. And uh, so, kind of just go with it. It was all said and done. I mean, there's there's only 11, 11 players on each side that are out there on the field that can <clears throat> that can affect the game and and uh, and the and the officials. That's that's the only people that are out there actually on the field that play after play can can affect the down. Yeah, as 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 we all all expected, all all saw mistakes were made. That was a response. Yeah, they made a mistake. They made a mistake on that call. Yeah, and and others. So they said they made mistakes on other calls. Yes. Okay. Can't be any more clear than that. Huh? There were a lot of calls. That's what I wasn't sure. Was yeah, there were. <laughs> Got time for a couple more with Coach. I saw Bob's hand up. I'm wondering, as a coach, do you believe in the concept sort of... The film doesn't lie, you know? Okay, because I, you know, we like to play that because I'm a big believer in listen to it for yourself, form your own opinions, right? So Jim Harbaugh says that, and minutes later... A question gets asked up in East Lansing to Coach Mel Tucker. What they saw on the play, um, we turned in several plays, and then we'll, we'll get the feedback. And then, um, but you know, I'll you know I'll hold my comments until I get that that back. They may have some information that might that might enlighten me, or it might be able to help us coach coach the guys better, or whatever. So you know, we'll have to see. But you know, I don't. You know, I had a radio. I had a radio, um, a radio deal this morning. I think it was like at eight nineteen or whatever. I was on them on every morning, and one of the first questions that um, Steve asked me was about the officials. And like, I don't like to talk about calls, bad calls, things like. I think that that's not part of our culture. We don't we're not we don't like to make excuses or you know that about anything, you know. Um, and so. I think that I think that makes your program soft. I think it gives your coaches and your players, you know, a way out, you know. Um, and so I really don't like to even talk about it that much. But we do turn them in because we need clarification. And if I disagree with something, you know, I'll tell them, and then we and we and we just and we move on because they're not going to not going to change the outcome, you know. Actually, and so. Um, it's, it's every it happens every week because I mean it's a human performance business you know so it's, and there's a lot of judgment calls out there it's very much theater of the absurd right again that quote has nothing to do with why Michigan State lost to Purdue right and again it, it's kind of the uh, again the theater the drama the the false drama that gets stirred up and it's definitely being played out in the in the local media here, right? And again, Michigan State controls their destiny. Beat Ohio State, 
shut everybody up. You can do it on the field, right? Beat Ohio State, win out, everything will be taken care of. But, again, it's this, like I started the podcast, it's this tempest in a teacup. It's this drama where there's, it's this manufactured drama. Yeah, and and I I don't I don't know I don't know how much anybody on the Michigan side of the ledger should care about about what they have to say in East Lansing. You know, I mean, Michigan did not win the game and should have, based on the way that they played, and did not make enough big plays in key moments. Michigan State did make big plays in key moments, and then when when the Spartans went down to West Lafayette. They couldn't come up with the key plays in the second half. You know, they they didn't stop anybody. You know, that defense is definitely suspect, but you know, they they couldn't come up and make the plays. Kenneth Walker couldn't save that defense in in that game. That's the difference. And maybe part of the difference is you know when you're when you're on the road in West Lafayette, it's a little bit different than when you're at home in East Lansing. You know, all that's fine. But but what you said it that they control their own destiny. That's that's all that matters. And. and to Mel Tucker's credit, that's the crux of what he was saying. You know, he, he threw a, a dig in there that was clearly, you know, um, trying to differentiate himself from Harbaugh and how Harbaugh answers the questions about referees and uh, and how he's followed up with the league, you know, and, and Mel Tucker decides that he doesn't want to do that. Both of those are fine. <laughs> There's You don't have to pick a right and a wrong. It's okay. You know, like every – Every conversation doesn't have to be a rivalry game. There was a rivalry game in Michigan's son, and and it was it was frustrating and disappointing. But Michigan State immediately let Michigan back up off the mat in terms of the Big Ten East championship and the division title race. You know, because Michigan needs Michigan State to lose twice, and they had Ohio State and Penn State on the schedule. And Michigan fans, of course, were circling those, saying, okay, we need Ohio State and Penn State to beat the Spartans and Michigan to win out. And then they, they dropped at Purdue. So now they're, they've got, they have to win both. They can't win or, you know, they can't lose either one of those tough games if Michigan handles their business. So um, that's the stuff that matters. You know, I, I care about where Michigan ends up at the end of the season. I don't particularly care where Michigan State ends up. Um, and if anybody else is, is kind of monitoring the, uh, the Michigan state metaverse, then, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't quite understand that. That's, that's typically what we, that's typically a, a trait that we would uh, associate with, um, with the, uh, with the Michigan state fan base. So it's, it's not something that I spend any time or, or, or energy wondering what they're doing or saying in East Lansing. So what was funny for me is um, I also don't care very much other than, you know, the context of talking about it, you know, what we what we're talking about here on the podcast. What was interesting to me is when I say the manufactured drama, okay, I care about Michigan football. I also like to comment on what I see in the, the sports media, right, because I think it's one of the things that I try to point out because we do have a unique perspective, right? So I'm driving around this week and I'm back in the office. So um, now I'm, I'm listening to the radio while I'm driving to and from the office. And I got to tell you in almost 18 months of COVID, 
I listened to hardly any sports radio, and it was great. I wasn't aggravated at all, right? So here I am having a commute again, a small commute, and one of the big stations in in Michigan, which I will not give name to, literally said, well, you know, wasn't it interesting that Harbaugh jumped out on the referees and, boy, boy, you know, I think, you know, there may be a conspiracy. This may have been a planted question, right? And, and understand, it's that kind of thing, okay? Understand that all of the major outlets cover the press conferences, okay? If anyone really cared, they could listen to the full recording from their representative and know exactly how it came out, okay? But it's interesting because, and I'll talk about this in the larger sense, right? Like, there is a um, wackadoodle portion of the of the audience that likes to see conspiracies in everything, right? And I'm talking about it on, on a national level, right? You don't need to be spinning up conspiracies about Michigan and Michigan State. But again, it stirs the pot. It stirs the pot, right? So the the great news is that, you know, the pot stirring will be over on Saturday. Michigan is going to play Penn State. And after that game, if they win, all of their goals will still be ahead of them, right? And over the next couple of weeks, everything will be resolved. And, you know, you, you talked about, and we've talked about this in the past, okay? Um, I think the college football playoff should be expanded. I know that, that you agree. I know that we agree, we disagree a little bit on exactly how, but we agree it should be expanded, right? And one of the things that I believe is that if you are in a major conference, at the beginning of every season, you should know exactly what you need to do to make the college football playoffs. You should not have to rely on voters, okay, because voters are stupid, okay? Voters can be manipulated, right? But on the other hand, that's exactly what the sports media and the NCAA want. They want this kind of conflict. They want this kind of churn. And one of the things I always point out is, you know, we are, you know, people point to March Madness as being the the perfect model of, of sports stuff, right? Like, hey, you have this huge tournament, everybody gets in, and it's it's the hottest thing on the planet. I said, but you know what? When the season's over, nobody really questions who's the top team. Because you've had this tournament, it burns hot, you have a champion, and then it kind of it kind of dims, right? Before the college football playoffs, almost every year in football, you would have these arguments going year round, sometimes for decades, okay? Look at, you know, the 1997 season. Michigan fans and Nebraska fans are still arguing over it, right? And that spurs kind of the fandom. So I wonder, as much as I'd like to see the college football playoffs expanded, I think that um, the sports media complex and the NCAA always like to have that voting component because it does spur a lot of, of, of anger, right, that engages the fandom. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that it's 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 a hat tip to the the, the geography and, and the ties that schools have to certain you know, certain areas of the country 
and 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 then you get the the power five and the group of five conferences now and the little guy and the big guy and do we respect you know cincinnati because of what they do or don't do against there there's plenty of debate you know there's 130 teams in in division one football um regardless of of how far you expand right there's always going to be the the one team that didn't get in right the the when they do the the March Madness basketball tournament, right? There's always the last four in and the first four out, right? That's that's one of the when they're doing the projections. That's that's some of the spots that they fill. So you know, oh, you were one of the bubble teams. You almost got in there. That conversation's always going to burn there for the media to to chew up and spit out back at us. So I, I don't I don't we're not hurting for storylines in sports and and, and drama and creating that stuff. I I, I personally think that there's an opportunity to decide champions on the field and not in conference rooms. And that when given that opportunity, I think it's important to do that. I'm not, I'm not that interested in trying to turn college football into the NFL. You know, that that's not, you know, what, uh, what I would be shooting for, but it is a kind of a, potential consequence of kind of making it who cares about the regular season waking up at playoff time i I don't want that either but i think that there is a way to expand and and provide opportunity to schools right now that are that are going to get frozen out of the uh the playoff picture regardless of what they did on the field i think you expand to those group of five schools let the little guys take their shot at goliath in the first round put more games on campus, make some of those teams uh, from the South and from the West Coast, make them come to the Midwest and the East Coast in December and play some play some road games in uh, in December in Ann Arbor instead of uh, having to always be a, a bowl season where, where we're going to Florida or to the West Coast to play Florida or USC. So I, I would love to see that, that part of the, the whole college football universe um, get flipped, you know, but, um, again, the, the whole reason that they start releasing the rankings after week, what, what we just get through week nine and week 10, right. They start releasing the rankings and it's, it's to generate buzz. It's to start creating a narrative. There's always one team that started from somewhere down around 10 or 11 that, you know, wins out, climbs the poles and, and, and they build these storylines it's a it's an ESPN marketing ploy, so um, I'm certainly not going to let it you know spin spin me into a tizzy. I, I already invest enough emotional capital on Saturdays watching uh, watching my favorite team and, and trying to sit on my hands in the press box. So um, I, I don't need ESPN to build more drama. You know I, I want my team to win, and, and then I like watching the other teams try to decide. Uh, you know, the championships in their own conference. And then if it's playoff time and Michigan's not part of it, then, you know, I still like watching the playoff football too. So um, more to come, you know, the, that conversation is evolving certainly. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into it a little deeper uh, when we're into the off season. But right now, you know, this team, the 21 Michigan team, needs to be able to go into Happy Valley and play their best shot. And, and for, for the love of God, on third down and fourth down, make anybody but Jahan Dotson beat you. You know, if if I were to if I were to dial up my 
my my cut or my armchair quarterback or armchair defensive coordinator Bill Belichick uh, cap. If you want to take away the the other team's number one thing, make somebody else beat you, right? In the key moments, find Jahan Dotson. Don't let Dotson beat you on third down and fourth down, like KJ Hamler did two years ago. If Michigan does that, then then we're talking about a team that's nine and one, and uh, you know, really, really starting to to build believers out of all of us. So, looking at this game, what was your prediction heading into the season, and what are you thinking now? Uh, in the preseason, I thought Michigan would win by four. I think I said twenty to sixteen. I thought, uh, if you remember, I thought Michigan's defense would struggle early in the season with a new coordinator, new system, kind of a learning curve. But I thought by the time we got into the second half of the season here, um, they'd have it figured out and uh, would start really playing great defense. And when I looked at Penn State, I, I still didn't have a whole lot of trust in their offense. You know, switching coordinators again two times in two years. Clifford's been hitting this. Um, so I expected a defensive struggle in, in Michigan to be able to pull it out 20 to 16. And since then, I, I, I think that there'll be a few more points scored than that. Uh, the weather looks like it might be a factor. I saw right now it's like a 50, 50 shot that it rains on Saturday in happy Valley. That's another, you know, that would be fine for Michigan if it turns into a, turns into a mud bowl and, and the running games, come to the forefront, I think that's a, another plus for Michigan. So um, I, I think they'll score a few more points. Michigan's been right around 30 pretty consistently for the last month or so. I, uh, I said 27 to 21. Uh, Michigan wins by six. So preseason, I thought it was going to be a little bit more run and gun, a little open. I had uh... – Michigan winning 38-31, and I thought Michigan would be 8-2 and two after that game. So hopefully uh, they can be a little bit above that, you know, beat Penn State and only have that one loss to Michigan State. I'm dialing it back a little bit. I'm predicting Michigan to win 31-20. to 20. Um, How did the SP Plus break out for this game? Well, the Vegas line was a pick em, right, dead even. And SP Plus has Michigan favored by 1.8 points. So SP Plus says Michigan's going to win like 25, 23. You know, that's that's pretty close. It's kind of like the same center point that I picked at 26, 21. Or at 27, 21, I mean. Um, but uh, I, the, there's a lot of people that expect this to be very close. Uh, if Michigan is able to run the ball successfully and can can keep Jahan Dotson under 150 yards receiving, and he doesn't blow up the way that David Bell blew up in uh, against the Spartans last week, then I, I don't think that it'll be close. I, I do think that Dotson's going to have a good game, but if Michigan bottles him up and can run the ball, then this is going to look a lot like Wisconsin. See, my gut tells me that it's going to be a big win. It's going to be a big difference one way or the other. Okay. Hmm. So my concern is I, I really do think that if Michigan has their players back and specifically their, their running attack, okay, they have their running attack, meaning Haskins and, and Corum, 
I think they should win this one or could win this one pretty comfortably. If for some reason, um, and, and you know, it's interesting, you, you, again, reading the tea leaves, right? There have been times where Harbaugh would say, yeah, I expect guys to be back. And then there's, no, I, I don't have any updates, right? And, you know, again, there's always a certain amount of gamesmanship as far as, you know, him not releasing, releasing the depth chart and, and, you know, him in some seasons he'd say, well, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, right? But it just seems different this week. So I, it's kind of a gnawing fear that I have that perhaps, you know, I, listen, I don't like to see anybody walking around in a boot, okay? That that just, that's that screams bad to me, right? But then again, why would they have him on the sideline if it was that bad? So you, again, you're trying to, to read into what you see, right? But again, my concern is, is that, um, you know, we don't see Andrew Anthony. We don't see Eric all. We don't see Blake Corum. We don't see Donovan Edwards. And, um, you know, Penn State is able to gang up on Haskins. And, you know, we see a, we see a swing the other way against Michigan. But I think if Michigan has those guys back, I'm expecting a good win. I, I'm excited. I'm going to Penn State to see the game. I have not been to Happy Valley for a football game since 1997. We all know what happened on that day, Judgment Day. Um, you know, one of my favorite road trips that I've ever that I've ever gone on. And you know, I always tell the story about how we were driving over to Happy Valley, and we kept running into um, at, at rest stops. We kept running into Charles Woodson's mom. Okay, and. One of the times we saw her, we, you know, I said, hey, uh, good luck today. And she said, well, I hope it doesn't rain. My Charles doesn't like to play in the rain. And looking back, Charles played in the rain and he had quite a game that helped propel him to the Heisman Trophy. So, again, happy memories about Penn State. Hoping this will be another happy trip. Looking for Michigan to continue their great season. So, Clint, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I I would echo again. Find find number five on third down. You know, Mike McDonald. Find number five on third down. Don't let Jahan Dodson beat you in the big moments in this game. If somebody else does, then then I'll I'll say my mea culpa. But uh, do not let Jahan Dodson be the guy that 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 kills this game. If if you do that, you take him out of the big moments. Then I think Michigan's offensive line will carry carry the day and we'll be talking about a victory on Sunday. Well, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.